this is Brandon, your host, and today I am going to talk about um, what is being angry at bad guys. So this is another remote podcast that I'm doing. I'm on the road, but I think I got some notes together for today and uh, should be a full length one. All right, so let's get into it while I open my notes here. Recently, I talked about a shift in my philosophy and uh, this was brought about by a comment that my wife made. She said, you're always angry all the time, or sorry, you're always angry lately all the time. And so I started looking at what I was doing and I I feel like um, a lot of my content I was generating was, was kind of that angry tone because, well, I'm not gonna make excuses for myself. Um, it was uh, some of me traveling and, and just finding it easier to comment on things. And some of it was uh, just me not really paying attention to what I was doing. And so I made a conscious decision to um, not to to put those those feelings on the shelf, at least for Tuesday through Thursday. And then, you know, the book reveal review will be what it is. And then Mondays are my podcasts. Now, I'm not going to get overly political or overly angry today, but I do want to delve into what is being angry at bad guys and what does that actually mean. So this podcast is an homage to Paul Wheaton, who runs a blog on the internet called Permies, and he's one of the founding or premier voices in permaculture. Now, permaculture is a mash of two words. It's a permanent in culture, not permanent in agriculture like uh, a lot of people tend to believe it is. And that's because it's really kind of two beliefs. It's living sustainably and it's living with um, within culture. And so it has a component of getting along with others agreeably as well as um, you know the things that you might do to live sustainably all right so you might be wondering what is a bad guy well I am going to give several examples today to bring uh, to light uh, what what or add color to what that might actually mean but I would say in general a bad guy is someone that might wrong you um, and, and these are oftentimes the ambiguous sort of, um, people that I would say you can't get close to, right? So they're the, the people that are doing things that affect your life, but you're not directly involved in a relationship or, uh, maybe you don't even know their names. And so to really kick this off today, I'm going to start with a, I'll call it a, it's a story that I've heard, uh, and, and it's, at least I believe it's true, but, uh, I think it illustrates the point of, uh, the, the dangers here. So what happened was a neighbor, you know, as neighbors sometimes do, or, or even busybodies sometimes do, they were concerned about what their neighbor was doing. Uh, I think it was maybe a, either an addition or a, a shed that was too large or something. 
and so they ended up calling code enforcement code enforcement then comes over to the property takes a look around but he didn't necessarily limit his looking just to what the complaint was he was kind of just seeing what's going on on the street well lo and behold before the whole situation was over two of them ended up with with tickets the the guy who lodged the complaint and the guy that the complaint was about and um you know i'm not the biggest uh, supporter i i'm not i'm not a real big believer in building codes to be honest i mean there's a i remember way back in eighth grade we watched this video on um commerce in uh, hong kong and they were and it was sort of a frontline kind of story where there was uh medicine being practiced by traditional chinese um, practitioners and the whole point of the video was well is it was it better to have someone that's sort of licensed and sanctioned from the state or was it better to have a market that that supported this guy because they believed in what he did right it wasn't that he was a credentialed doctor but that he had i don't know he was old i I think like 50 years of experience under his belt and that he was successful because people kept going to him and so you know i think in the class anyway it kind of settled to no we believe that you know doctors should be licensed but I think the older I get, I get the more I start to believe that market forces are really a huge driver in um, in being successful there. So there you go. If you're going to play with snakes, then don't be surprised if you end up getting bit by them. All right. So recently, as of uh, last week I was talking about propane cylinders so this is my first example and in those propane cylinders um, if you own one or more than one there's a date that's stamped into the handle when the when the tank is made and so uh, what will happen is if you take that cylinder to go get refilled then uh, sometimes they're supposed to anyway Look at that date and validate that that tank is, quote, still good, right? Um, it happens to be that there's like a 10-year expiration date. So if your propane cylinder is over 10 years old, then it's deemed as unsafe. And uh, that's a law. I think it's a DOT law for traveling or something with those things. But in theory uh you can take your cylinder that you have and you can go find a vendor who would recertify that tank and then i i have never seen one but i've heard that what they'll do is they'll mark those tanks i think with some metal stamps or something or maybe even a tag or something like that that it's been recertified and there's a new expiration date on those tanks but I guess my point is is I don't know anyone that's ever done that and I'm not even sure where you could go to have that done now I do have a co2 cylinder for my uh, 
keyser and when I took the cylinder in to get refilled it was beyond its expiration date essentially the program works like this that when I go into the welding supply store with my co2 cylinder they just swap it out with uh, another one and so while I quote own the cylinder what I don't really own is um, this the same one that I came in with so hold on here just a second my notes keep going blank now I this this is done under the guise of safety um, theoretically the argument is that you know these tanks can wear after time and that they might leak so I have a cylinder it was made in 2014 which means it's going to expire next year and even though I've owned it for 10 years I've only used I've only filled it like three different times originally I got it as uh, part of a uh, big big uh, burner for cooking big pots of things like crab pots and and things like that um, but <laughs> the truth is, is I haven't done a lot of cooking of crab pots and things like that so I think even the last time I I uh, used the cylinder it was for my heater in the basement but I just wanted to point out who do you think this law actually benefits and you know is it really the safety of the people of the cylinders because they do put a marker gas hydrogen cyanide in there that stinks when it leaks or maybe just maybe um, someone else might do do you think that the manufacturers supported this under the umbrella of safety I bet they did and I think it was all about how can we make the market continue to buy tanks because I'm going to tell you I've even I've only used that cylinder like three times I'm pretty sure it's not worn out um, it doesn't leak and I don't see any valid reason I've taken good care of it I don't see any valid reason why it would need to be replaced so there's my the bad guys here in this situation are people that are doing things in your life that affect you but one you don't have any say in it and two it's really for what I would call disingenuous reasons the next thing I want to talk about is Silicon Valley Bank so this is another headline that I've written about it's it's been out and about for a couple weeks now and when I wrote about it about two weeks ago um, there were very few details and I guess I would say I'm not uh, I'm not economically savvy enough to really try to read between the lines on what was going on I figured there was more to the story than than what I what I knew what I had read but I also didn't know what that was so listening to another podcast about this uh, two weeks ago there there was there is some speculation about what had happened 
and I'm going to lay it out for you here for just a second in just a second so the hearsay was that this was a planned event and it was executed to force consolidation and remove an innovator in the crypto slash venture capital space now you may not be well versed in that and i certainly am not but i do get to i, I do listen to some stuff around the periphery of that and and so i'm going to go a little bit deeper here with this explanation there is uh speculation that that uh, these banks with this consolidation want to move from physical dollars into a new currency or maybe said a different way today's dollars into a new currency now this is not the result of the event but this is one of the steps in those and the way that happens is they start consolidating um, all these smaller banks so that you end up with you know a handful of larger banks now i'm not going to get into um, fractional reserve banking and all of that stuff but uh, what if you do know anything about that then you'll know that there are a handful of banks that are sort of the owners of the u.s dollar and those are the only banks that are allowed to uh, or that have a seat on the federal reserve which is the board of banks that regulates money and monetary policy in terms of um, interest rates and monetary creation and all those things but um, even though i'm not going to get into it you can imagine that uh, if you were to limit the number of choices then you can more easily consolidate the power of currency manipulation uh, to those we'll say like-minded institutions okay now silicon valley bank was not a people's bank it wasn't a it wasn't an institution that people took their paychecks to and you know did a lot of banking with i don't know for a fact um but i i don't believe that you know there's a bunch of branches where people are doing banking this was a bank that was all about giving loans and once again with fractional reserve banking the more money that you loan out the more money you're creating into existence <laughs> and that's the that's as far as i'm going to go with with how that works today but um, ultimately they were over leveraged and they were in these high-tech spaces they were loaning to um, coinx a crypto exchange they were loaning to other uh, technological venture capital organizations and this was kind of where their space was now what happened was um, a couple of the large stakeholders started uh, cashing in their bonds that they that they held within the bank and what and and by that what happened was the banks have to pay out that money well a highly leveraged bank 
doesn't have that much money to pay out. And so this movement of money from, from Silicon Valley Bank is what brought it down. And this was believed to be a, a calculated move by certain uh, bondholders. Now, one last thing about currency and, and fractional reserve banking. Um, the more money that you create, the more inflation potential that you have because by loaning money and creating money, that of course dilutes the monetary supply and therefore it, um, it reduces the value of each dollar that's in circulation. Now what happened, how that happens is the Federal Reserve uh, or the United States government issues bonds to these banks and the, that allows them to, to create money. Now I don't want to get into this real deeply, but in essence, if you start cashing in bonds, then that decreases the amount of um, available money supply that's out there and therefore that causes uh, retraction of the money supply or supply or deflation. So <clears throat> if you want to get a handle on inflation, then of course you want to reduce the money supply and you do that by getting rid of dollars or cashing in your bonds and therefore deflating the actual currency so that what that act of uh, of cashing in those bonds of course called silicon valley's leverage point which then caused them to collapse now i stand by my statement that i made that i think for the listener and all those in you know on in this sort of channel of things um, we're still best to ignore it. But I think what the bigger message or the greater message is, is don't be fooled. There still is more to this. I don't know if that's true that they're trying to consolidate completely, but I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't put it past them to be a hundred percent honest. All right. So now, um, you know, um, I'm a Christian and so I want to talk about something related to that this is from the new international version this is matthew 22 15 through 22 and verse 15 then the pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words they sent their disciples to him and with the herodians and with the herodians teacher they said we know that you're a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? This is verse 18. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him the denarius, and he asked them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. 
And he said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and God what is God's. When they heard this, they were so amazed, they left him and went away. Once again, that's Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22. All right, so, you know, maybe you're not a Christian. That's okay. I mean, <laughs> it's not okay necessarily in the eternal sense by how I believe, but it's okay. We don't have, we don't have to... Uh, fully agree to understand the wisdom and logic in this. I was listening to a sermon about this last weekend as I was getting ready to go on this trip. And the, the preacher was preaching about these passages here in the Bible. He was very emphatic that, that we, we, quote, Christians, must participate in politics because that's what Jesus meant by that quote. You know, he said... Clearly, he said, you know, you fools, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Um, as he held the coin up and said, whose image is this? And what does it say? And, and all those things. Now, <clears throat> I missed the beginning, so I, I didn't get the entire sermon. But uh, I heard probably the last half of it, maybe. And... And so he went directly from the scripture to uh, actually, I think, putting his spin on things. All right, so he said uh, in his sermon, he said, it was our Christian duty to, <laughs> I'll paraphrase, vote in warmonger. Um he started out, at least from where when I joined, saying that uh, you know there was evil in the world, and he was talking about Hitler, and he was talking about Saddam Hussein, and he was talking about um, Bin Laden, you know, and how there was justification for because there was evil for the insinuation was for the United States, who was quote not evil to get involved and uh, right those wrongs. And then he also went on to say that uh, government was a vehicle created by God and therefore Christians should embrace that. And then, you know, there was quite a few examples. Now, it wasn't partisan, so he was saying, um, you know, Democrat, Republican, whatever, that wasn't an endorsement of party, but that if we Christians didn't participate in the process then we were that, that God had created, then we were then uh, letting evil happen. Now, I don't think the preacher necessarily is a bad guy in my context, but I do think that he was sorely, sorely mistaken. And, and this is my argument for this, and that is man is born of sin. We know the story of Adam and Eve. We know how uh, the forbidden fruit was, was eaten, and therefore that brought sin into our lives, and that changed the whole thing, and the whole sort of uh, um, paradise that they lived in. And, and so we, you know, being a believer, we've accepted the doctrine there that, that that is the case. I 
reject, however, the entire premise that government is therefore a holy institution. I think that because government is of man, now maybe, you know, well, maybe, maybe it is because all things that exist in the world are uh, of God, but government specifically is of man, of man's invention and man's execution, in that man is fallible. I don't know how you could possibly endorse every potential action of government as being holy. Um, he went on to say, you know, if we don't, if Christians don't vote, and if we're not part of it, then, you know, something's going to fill its place. And, and that, I believe, is true. But um, I guess I would say, you know, I do occasionally listen to these things on the radio when I'm getting ready on Sunday mornings. I mean, I, I like to do it. It gives me different perspectives perspectives and for the most part I'm pretty reverent I mean I think that they're um, you know they're, they're people that have studied that have a good heart that have a good perspective but this one I've just got to say was completely wrong and the bad guy here is um, the government I guess you know just because he said render under Caesar's what is Caesar's, I mean, I, I think that that's, to me, my interpretation of that is, you know, we're not here to cause problems and rock the boat. We're here to make converts. And if you end up in jail because you're not paying taxes, then, you know, you might become a martyr, but you're going to have a, a lot more difficult time um, embracing the, the message and, and proselytizing, if you will. All right, so we're going to move from uh, a Christian-oriented perspective to, I'd say, something that's anti-Christian. If you remember, or if you look back on March 23rd, 2021, I wrote about uh, another statement that Paul Wheaton said. It was called, Rapers Gotta Rape. <laughs> it's, um, every time I think about that I, I give myself it's a I chuckle a little bit about it because this was what he was saying with this was that you know people have inherent um sort of personalities or bent or whatever and so you know this is something that you're gonna have to contend with hence rapers gotta rape robbers gotta rob you know Bad people are going to do bad things. It's just the way it is. And I, I was thinking about this as I was writing my notes out and in saying like, in saying that um, predators are going to kill livestock. It's in their nature. So you know what can we do about it? Well, it might be possible to kill every single one of them. There are some examples. You know, if you think about like. Wolves, for instance, wolves were nearly exterminated if it wasn't for the fact that some of them still remained in remote areas, Canada and Alaska, where there really weren't people. They probably would have been. And, 
you know, so we have the capability of doing that. They use, uh, they use poison, by the way, to do that. Uh, we have the capability of doing that, but what we don't know what will happen is if we do kill every last one of them, what will the effect be on the ecosystem? Certainly they will uh, not kill any more livestock, but really is that the smart thing to do? I think the smart thing to do actually is coexist with them. Now that doesn't mean that you let, you know, wolves necessarily take out your your flock or, you know, kill your animals, but what it does mean is you do the best you can to secure your property, which animals are part of, and then you do the best you can to let these animals live in the wild spaces, the natural spaces. And hopefully the two don't meet. Um, this is why we can't get angry at bad guys. Because ultimately it does no good and it wastes energy that we could be using to outflank them. I mean, is it realistic to sort of eliminate all the bad guys? No, it's not. They're going to be in our world. So what we have to do is we have to learn how to either live with them and or outflank them and, you know, operate in alternative economies or alternative ways of association and, and not give them the due that they're, that they're trying to seek. So finally here, I'm moving on to my conclusion and I'll say, have you heard the advice about about um, being bullied, right? Or maybe verbally bullied. And a lot of times people will say, well, just ignore it, right? The words can't hurt you. You know who you are. Those sorts of uh, paradigms. Um, that's not the right word. Those sorts of uh, generalities. Uh but, you know, I suppose there are some times to fight. Um, there comes a time when you do have to fight. But I would say this, pick your battles. And I'm going to use this example here. You know, if you're a champion boxer or you've seen champion boxers, they don't just go out and fight anyone that comes along. There's a vetting process that goes along with, with them um, competing. I'll say competing equals fighting, right? Competing that the challenger has to be worthy of competing for it. And there's a reason for that. That is because every time you get in the ring, there's a chance that you could stumble or get injured. So, you know, what if they were fighting for, with someone that didn't know how to fight or didn't understand the, the rules, you know? They might end up punching you in prohibited places uh, multiple times, right? And potentially causing undue... When you're playing by the rules and someone isn't playing by the rules, then, you know, you just don't know what that outcome is going to be. Or alternatively, what if you're fighting someone who doesn't care about the rules, right? They're just going to do what they're going to do. And so, you know that's the reason why that they don't just take any any fight that gets that gets i'll say offered to them but uh 
you know, speaking of fights in countries and politics and things, I mean, what happens if the U.S. tries to invade Vietnam or Afghanistan? You know, we can certainly look at history and say that I, I think it's not even arguable at this point that we might say the U.S. didn't lose the war, but we certainly can't say that they won the war. And that's because the conflict was not in the same way that we see it or view it, right? They they had a different perspective of what winning was and what losing was. And it wasn't by body count. It was by you're here in my country and I don't want you here and we're never going to give up no matter what you do. We're never going to agree with you. We're never going to give in. We're never going to uh, let you win, if you will. So closing this out, uh, you know, I, I stated when I was talking about uh, give unto Caesar that man is born of sin. And so I don't want to get dragged down with the bad guy's greed or lust or power because, you know, the truth is, is every time we engage with them, we could potentially get hurt and maybe even fatally so. So that's the reason why I want to change my focus and, and some of the justification for doing so. And I hope you understand, but, uh, so it's going to be with me. So this is Brandon with Alta four and remember to end your programming and do things that matter. Mm-hmm.